again, we have been honored and it's been a privilege to have Brother Moon with us. And tomorrow night, special treat, tomorrow night, Brother Moon is going to lead us in a song. Now, he's going to get to choose what song that is as long as we got a piano player that can play it. Okay? So we're going to see. But I'm telling you, he leads some singing over there back home where he's from. And I kind of wanted to hear some of his song leading. And uh, I think we're going to have a good time. We'll let him do one of those tomorrow, and it'll be good, good for us. So anyway, you plan to be here, and we'll all get behind him, and we'll just be his big choir tomorrow night, all right? All right. Well, Brother Moon, you come preach for us, would you? Pastor, so much. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to be here tonight. How many would rather be here than be in jail? Amen. Good, good. Let's see here. This gentleman did not raise his hand. He'd rather be in jail. Now, I do hear, I do hear they have three square meals there, right? So, it's, I mean... It's close quarters, but at least you get to eat, amen? And uh, it sure beats being homeless, I suppose. And so, uh, but anyway, I don't know how I've got on that, but anyway, I don't even know this gentleman, and here he is. I'm teasing with him, and after search, I'll need, uh, do we have any security guards? I'll need a security guard, because as big as he is, I will not be much left of me when he gets done with me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a wise move, Ricky. All right, anyway, if you have your Bibles, turn in where it's all the Word of God, Amen. Isn't it? Brother Brad, you got a Bible with you? Good. Is it a Queen James? Amen. All right. It's amazing. You started bringing a Bible with you in college. You never even brought a Bible. You wouldn't see. Now, Josh had it all memorized. That's why he didn't bring his. He just pushed the buttons and out it came. You, know? you don't have that quality yet, do you? I don't. I have to take one with me. I even have one on my phone just in case. But uh, anyway, in fact, I downloaded three of them. I had three of them. I don't ever read all three of them at the same time. Of course, you can't read three at the same time anyway. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> oh boy, we better start preaching. All right, if you would, turn in the book of Esther. The book of Esther, chapter 4. I'm going to read just a few verses. But we're going to talk about quite a bit of this story, the first part of this story of Esther. And it's one of the most intriguing stories I know, is the story of Esther. And when I think about the story of Esther, I realize that the book of Esther doesn't mention God. Did you know that? God's name is not mentioned. Yet, God's all over the book. And there's principles all over the book that are God-centered principles. And there's principles all over the book that will help us if we'll, they will apply them to our life. And I love this story of Esther. Um, but if you would please... Uh, out of respect and honor for God's word, would you stand with me if you're physically able? If you're not, please remain seated. Look at verse 10. Again, Esther chapter 4. I hope I told you the right chapter. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. And the king's servants and the people of the king's providence do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king and to the inner court who is not called, there's one law of his to put him to death except such to whom the king should hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, and I love this part. Then there shall their, uh, their enlargement and deli uh, deliverance arise. Then there 
Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Let me stop and say here, and this is just added. You don't cost you anything, all right? God's, here's what Mordecai said. Esther, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, God's going to do something anyway. God's going to deliver. Isn't that wonderful? Now, you, you got an opportunity. Take that opportunity. But God is going to enlargement and deliverance is coming from somewhere. But that's not the message, so let's get back. All right, all right. But it was fun talking about. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Why? Because she's Jewish. Jewish. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews in the present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink these days, night nor day. I also my maidens will fast likewise, and will, will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Father, help us tonight. Please, please, please. I ask you to meet with us. We, I don't have anything to give these people. They came to hear from you. And if you don't speak through me, they won't hear anything. So I beg you in Jesus' name to take control of my mind, my heart, my will. I yield my tongue to you. Set a watch from my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. Then I'll say what you want said and the way you want it said and the timing you want it said. And if there's something I've got in my notes that doesn't need to be said, would you cause me to pass over it and not say it? I love you, and I thank you again for this honor and this privilege. Bless this precious church. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The Bible says in Jude 1.22, which there's only, 20, there's only one chapter in Jude, so however you want to take that. Verse 22 then in Jude. And of some have what? Compassion. And now what's the next three words? Making a difference. Sometimes nations have made a difference. Sometimes states have made a difference. Sometimes cities have made a difference. Sometimes neighborhoods have made a difference. Sometimes churches have made a difference. Sometimes families have made a difference. And sometimes one person has made a difference. Just one. Just one. The widow at Zarephath made a difference in the life of Elijah when she made him a little cake. The widow that gave her two mites made a difference when Jesus used her as an example of giving. The woman at the well made a difference in the life of the people of the city of Samaria. Samaria when she told them about Jesus. A little maid made a difference in the life of Naaman, the leper. When she told Naaman's wife about Elisha, the man of God, that could get, possibly get him healed from his leprosy. David made a difference in the battle with Goliath when no one else would fight Goliath. Just one man. Joseph made a difference in a whole nation when he went through his trials caused by his own brothers from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison to the palace to the to prime minister. But I want us tonight to look at a story of Esther to see how she made a difference. 
Look at chapter 2, if you would, with me. Back up. And the Bible says, verse 7, And he brought up Hadasha, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. This is talking about Mordecai now. For she had neither father, now notice this, she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, her, when her father and mother were dead, took her for his own daughter. Now, Mordecai was Esther's first cousin. And Mordecai took her when her mom and dad died to help take care of her and to rear and to care for her and to protect her and to provide for her. So here's a little lady who doesn't have a father anymore to take care of her. Here's a little lady who has no mom to care for her. But her first cousin takes her and takes care of her. And the Bible says this. This is where we get starting the story of her. Now if we back up, we know that the king had had a banquet and that they got themselves a little bit tipsy-topsy, I guess. And whatever the case would be, he, got, he wanted to bring Vastai the king, queen out at the feast and have her, her in, her, in, in the royal house there. And he wanted her to come out, the Bible says. And he wanted her to do something she felt like she could not do and would not do. By the way, I think Vastai was a good woman. I think she would not do wrong that he wanted her to do. And it caused her her queenship. And he put her aside. And then he had to do it because all of the men said, look, if you don't, uh, you know, our, what about all the other wives in, in, in the kingdom? They're going to do the, in the providence. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to think they can just deny, defy their husbands and get by with it. So he set her aside and began to look for a new queen. And all these fair young virgins were called into the Shushan, the palace. And one of them happened to be that was brought in was Esther. And she's brought in before him. And the Bible says this, that she was given a command, a charge is the word the Bible uses. And if you would, down in verse number 10. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. Mordecai said, Esther, don't tell them that you're Jewish. Don't tell them your background. Don't tell them. And when she came in for the purification with all the other maids that were brought in, she was beautiful and they were going to choose a queen. The king was. And they went through the, the, the ordeal of and, uh, uh, the process that was taking place. The Bible says that she came in. And the Bible also says in verse 11 of chapter 2, And when Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. So he kept, he kept tabs on him. Ahasuerus, the king, then began the process of choosing whom he would to be the new queen. The Bible says in verse 16 that Esther was taken before the king in the tenth month. And when she came in before him, the Bible says the king, verse 17 of chapter number 2, that the king loved Esther above all the women that had obtained grace and favor in the sight, more than all the virgins, so that... He set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen as the Vastai. And the king made a great feast and all the priests, princes, and the servants, even Esther's feast, and made a release to the providence and gave gifts according to the state of the king. So, verse 20, Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up with him. I want to say the first thing I see here is that Esther the, the, kept the commandments she was told to keep by Mordecai. 
She listened to the commandments and was obedient to what she was told to do. So that when she came in, she came in and was obedient to what she has been told. So I see her commandment, but then something happened after that. There was another man involved in this whole thing, and his name is Haman. And Haman had found favor with the king, and the king had given him some authority and had promoted him, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, and promoted him and set him in a seat above all the princes that were with him. And when he came out, everybody bowed down and did reverence to him, except for Mordecai. And that just really rubbed him the wrong way to think that this man would not do reverence to him. Then the king's servants, in verse 3, said, were in the king's gate, said to Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's manners would stand, for he had told them he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then Haman was full of wrath. Boy, I see in chapter 1, verse 3, the promotion of Haman. But now I'm seeing the pride of Haman. And you know what I've been told in the Bible? Pride cometh before, fill in the blank. Pride cometh before destruction and the hardest spirit before fall. Pride cometh before destruction and the hardest spirit before fall. He was setting himself up to fail. May I say this as a side note? When we let pride come in our life, we're setting ourselves up to fall. And it doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are. Pride will lead you to destruction. I've known men that had a lot of power, one or two in particular, who got lifted up with pride and got big, thought they were really something. You know, I appreciate everybody saying, boy, that was a good message. I appreciate your message. Can I say something? I'm not anybody. I'm a nobody who knows somebody who is somebody. And that one I know is Jesus. And honestly, I, I hate to bust your bubble here, but none of us are really anybody. We're just a bunch of nobodies who know somebody. And when we get over ourselves, it'll really make us a better person. You know what they did to me. Do they not know who I am? Yeah, I know who I am. I just saw your name tag, all right? Van Hoosen. Flex. Flex is because of these powerful muscles I've got, and these biceps, and when I move, if it don't flex, it just rips them out. Okay, one time I picked up a five-pound weight, but I haven't done that in years. But anyway, actually it was not here. It was, uh, you know that had to have the flex, not, not, not here, but further down, right? like, you know, about midsection. <laughs> but Haman got lifted up himself and thought he was somebody. You have the audacity not to bow to me. I can see him saying it. I've seen some people like that. Who, don't you know who I am? Uh, you want to say no, and I really don't care, so don't tell me. <laughs> but you don't do that, all right? Because you're not supposed to. Well, you're not. I, but anyway, all right, let's let it go. All right? And the Bible says, and Haman, when Haman saw Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, verse 5, then Haman was full of wrath. I mean, this guy's angry. Full of wrath. Didn't say he had wrath. By the way, words in the Bible are important. That's why we don't change Bibles. Because they change words. And they take words out. 
And the Bible says Jesus is the, he's the word. All right? He's the living word, and that's the written word. The, every word in the word is important. Every word in the Bible is important. If it wouldn't, God wouldn't allow it to be there. Don't take away from or add to it, the Bible says. All right? So it says he was full of wrath. I'm angry. How could he not do it? And he, though scorned to lay hands on, thought scorned to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the people of Mordecai. And then Haman concocts his great idea. I'll just take care of all the Jews. And you know the story. So he goes and gets the king to agree to destroy all these Jews because they're not with this king and they're not willing to follow what they say. And really, it all had to do with him and Mordecai. But in the midst of all this, something else happened. There's two men who wanted to kill the king. And Mordecai found out about it and went and told. And it got told to the king. And those two men were taken care of. But the king had never done anything for the man who saved his life. So that's all in the background. Isn't God's timing just wonderful? Who would, have, who would have thought that when Mordecai told that, that it was going to be his saving grace? Who thought that's what was going to save his nation? Who would have thought that little action would have so many repercussions to it that were positive toward the Jews? Who would have thunk it? So, Concocts his idea and gets the king to agree to it. And then, for haste, they're sent out. The posts are sent out. The men are sent out to, to go to the city, and the city is perplexed. Mordecai hears about this and sees the, the writing and that was put out. He goes in sackcloth and ashes. And, and the Bible says he went out into the midst of the street and cried with a loud and bitter cry. He cried with a loud and bitter cry. What's going on? And he came in before the king's gate with his clothes, with, uh, uh, and the clothes with sackcloth. And it was told Esther what happened. Obviously, Esther loves him. He helped rear her. He took care of her when mom and dad died. And she sends back clothes for him and says, Here, get out of the sackcloth and ashes. You're not supposed to do that in the king's gate and so forth. And he sat back and said, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm paraphrasing, okay? You don't know what's going to happen. All the Jews are going to be destroyed. And Haman has come up with, concoct this idea. And it's been signed and sealed by the king. It's been sent out. It's on all over the whole providence. It's been sent, rushed out. And, and it's even here in Shushan. And by the way, she was a Jew too. He said, you've got to go in. Then he gives the challenge. He says, you've got to go in. And you've got to do something about it. Then called Esther to Hatak, one of the king's hammer, whom he had appointed a uh, uh, tenanter and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the streets of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasurers for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him the copy, gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it to Esther and declaring her and to charge her that she would go into the king, 
to make supplication unto him and to make requests before him for her people. And then we pick up in verse number 10 that I read. And Esther spake to Hatak and gave him commandment to Mordecai, saying, Look, look at verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know, and whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king in the inner court, who's not called, there's one law of him to be put to death. Except, except such of whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So if I go in, there's a chance he will not hold his golden scepter out. If he doesn't, I'm dead meat. And he's already got rid of one queen. I suppose I'm expendable too. That's probably what she's thinking. That's what I'd have been thinking. Then Mordecai commanded answer, Esther, thinkest thou not that thyself shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews? Esther, you're Jewish too. When they find out you're Jews, you're gone. Now what are you going to do? Esther bade them return to Mordecai and answer, Go gather together all the Jews at present Shushan. Fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink these days. Now, I, the Bible doesn't say, Pastor, that they prayed and fasted. But normally when they fasted, they did what? They prayed. I think, I can't prove this, but I think they fasted and prayed. Again, don't quote me on it and say, Well, the moon's teaching heresy. It didn't say pray in the Bible. <gasps> I know it didn't say pray in the Bible. <gasps> but I think that's what they did, all right? I'll tell you one thing. If I'm on a fast, I'm definitely going to pray. I'm praying, dear God, help me to hurry up and get on so I can eat. <laughs> That's what most of us in this room do anyway. Or you pray fast, dear God. The gentleman back here said, I, I preach too fast. My wife says I talk too fast. Look, I'm from southern Tennessee and northern Alabama. Brother, I had a, well, I went to school with a girl named Kathy Peacock and her daddy, and I've told you this before, her daddy, he, Roy Peacock. And Roy talked like this. Hey, Mr. Moon, how you doing today? It's good to see you. I'm like, Lord, help us. Roy, say something and get on so we can go. Because he's talking to my daddy, and my daddy, I'm not like him. He liked to talk. I don't like to talk much. And uh, <laughs> that's where I got it at. My daddy liked to talk, and boy, they're talking, and I'm in the truck going, Daddy, let's go, man. I got to go. And Roy took him five minutes to get two sentences out, it seemed like to me as a young man. So that's where I'm from. So that's why I talk so slow. Maybe I was talking fast to make up for Roy. What do you think? You think? Might be. All right. All right. We got to get back to the message. I'm, I'm out of kelter here. Notice what he says. Go gather together all the Jews of present Shushan and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink these three days, not our day. I also, my maids, will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she took the challenge. She followed the command. She took the challenge. And then she made a commitment. I'll do it. Gather them together. I'll do it. If I perish, I perish. Now, while this is taking place, then the king, Esther, comes in. And when she comes in, you know the story. 
Verse 2 of chapter 5. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, that he obtained, she obtained favor in his sight. I think all that fasting made a difference and possibly praying made a difference in his sight. And the king held out the, to Esther the golden scepter that was in the hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king and Esther, What wilt thou, queen, what wilt thou, queen Esther? And why, what is thy request? It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good to the king, let the king and Haman come to this day in the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, and that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So Haman comes in the first time, and he says that after his petition, he says, and the king, uh, and the king said to Esther to banquet of wine, what is thy petition? It shall be granted thee. And what is our quest? Even the half of the kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther answered and said, My petition is, and my quest is, if I have found favor in thy sight of the Lord, and if that please the king to uh, grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. So you imagine old Haman. Remember, he's already been promoted. He's up there at the top of the prince list. I'm somebody now. Now, it really, really infuriates me. I'm full of wrath when I think about that stinking dirty Jew, Mordecai, who won't bow down to me and give me reverence. So he leaves. And as he went forth that day, he was joyful. Boy, I'm no other prince where can get this. The queen is having a banquet. The king is going to be there. And guess who else is going to be there? Go ahead. Just guess. You got it. Uno mio. Mio onio. Nobody else yo. Just me. I'm going in. I'm going in to see the queen. I'm going in to see the king. I don't know what you want, but it's just going to be me and the king because I am somebody and I'm important. And he's joyful. He's excited. He's happy. Woo! He's ready to go. He's got a glad heart, the Bible says. And when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, all at once that, I'm happy, I mean, oh, there's Mordecai. Oh, he don't bow down to me. He had indignation, he's full, the Bible says, of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself. Okay, I got to stop. I'm going to see the queen I got her, and her king, and I'm, I'm going to own what was invited. When he came home, he sent and called his friends and Zerath, his wife, Zerath, his wife. And Haman told them the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him, how he had advanced him above the princes and the servants of the king. And then he says, moreover, <laughs> yea, just so y'all all know, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king in the banquet that he has prepared, she has prepared, but myself, just me, just so y'all know how important I am, me and the king, I'm his right-hand man. Even the queen knows I'm the right-hand man, obviously. Nobody else got invited. Did you get invited? Did you? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Just me.
And tomorrow I'm invited into her, you, her also with the king. But you know what? Yet all this availeth me nothing as long as I see Mordecai, the Jew sitting in the king's gate. I just can't stand it. This is one time when his wife should have kept her mouth shut. And she didn't. Then said Zerus, his wife, and all his friends in him. Brothers, these are friends. I don't want, any, I don't want them. I'd rather have enemies. Let a gallow be made 50 cubits high. If my figure's right, according to what I understand, a cubit is about 18 inches. That would make it 75 feet high. I want you to put, make a gallows and put it up, make a platform and set it up there. 75 feet high. 75! That way everybody can see it. Amen? Get it up high there and make this gallow. And notice what he, she, she, they said to him, his friends and his wife. And tomorrow, speak thou to the king and more, uh, uh, that Mordecai may be hanged down. Then goeth thou merrily with the king into the banquet, and the thing pleased Haman. And he calls the gallows, make them, gentlemen, make these gallows, and I want them 75 feet high, because we're going to have ourselves a hanging. Here we are, and it's going to be Mordecai, that Jew that won't bow down to me, and give me reverence. But something happened that night. The king got dressed and went to bed. Except he couldn't go to sleep. Now I wonder why he couldn't go to sleep. Why could he not go to sleep? And he commanded, he said, bring the books of the records of the Chronicles. And they were read before the king. And read them to me. And they read them. And it was found written that Mordecai had told him of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chambers, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, Well, what honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered him, There's nothing done for him. You've done nothing for Mordecai. Really? Then you know what? Something should be done. And then he said, Who is in the court? And they said, now Haman was coming to the outward court of the king's house to speak to the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. So he's, the king is saying, what can I do to honor Mordecai? And here comes old Haman. I got it built. I got it built. I got it built. Yes, sir. I got my gallows built. Now I just go in. And after all, the king, if I want it, after all, he gave me the Jews, and he'll give me. If I want it, I'm his right hand man. If I suggest it, it'll happen. So, like when I was asking Brad's boss, could he take off early today? Right hand man. His boss said, Who's Brad? And I said, He works for you, doesn't he? He goes, I don't even know a Brad. I've never had a Brad work for me. And I said, well, that's a funny because he told me he worked for you. Okay, I'm lying. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he actually said, yeah, he'll take off. But uh, actually he said, he runs the show, ask him. But uh, I'm not sure that's true, but, but he did say that. All right. I told the truth for once. You know, it's like when a preacher comes and says, now I'm going to tell you the truth now. Have you been lying to us all this time? <laughs> now you're going to be honest? All right, I've got to get back to the message. All right. And so, you know, it's kind of comical 
Haman comes walking in, ready to lure the boom on Mordecai and ask his permission. And the king's servant said to him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman comes in. The king said to him, What shall be done to the man whom I, the king, delighteth to honor? Oh, I can see the wheels turning, you know. Haman said, after all, he was promoted to be right-hand man. You know, I'm going, I'm the only one going in this with the king to the queen, Esther, Esther's banquet. It, who else would be more noble and more delight than myself? And so, you know, he's going to honor me. This is good. This is good. Well, you know, I deserve it. After all, I'm his right-hand man. You know, I mean, who am I? I'm, I'm somebody. He said, what be done to the man whom I die? Now, Haman thought in his heart, to whom would the king delight to do more honor than myself? Boy, he's eating up with pride, isn't he? And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let the royal peril be brought, that the king uses to wear, and the horse that the king rides on, and the crown royal which is set on his head. So, let's put on the king's robe, Let's put the king's crown on his head. Let's put him on the king's royal horse. And let's have, uh, uh, and then let his apparel be, and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble prince, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighted to honor, bringing him on horseback to the streets of the city, and proclaim for him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And so if you'll get one of the top dogs in here and let them get the horse ready and get the clothes ready and I'll put it on, I'll get on the horse, that's what he's thinking, and you'll lead me through and, I'll, and they'll say, here's the man whom the king delighteth to honor, his majesty Haman. And that's what he's thinking, obviously, in his mind. But he doesn't know what's happened. The king said to Haman, That's it. Make haste. Hurry up. Take the peril and the horse, and as thou hast said, and, and even so do to Mordecai the Jew that setteth at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Boy, you're talking about getting your balloon burst and getting deflated. Kaboom! What? And you, I mean, look, you do it. You wanted a man that's uh, this wonderful man to do it. You're that wonderful man. Go do it. I can't, you can't, I can't, you're talking about God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? This guy's lifted up. Man. Banquet, just me and the king. Ride on the horse. Honor him. Put on the crown, the royal robe, and... Bring the, the king's horse and I'll go down and they'll strut through town and I'll sit up on top. <laughs> I understand. It's me, Amen. Oh, you don't have to bow down that much. Oh, go ahead. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Just bow down. After all, you know who I am, don't you? Huh? All my servants and subjects, as I go down through here, just remember, the name is Haman <laughs> the Great. Haman the Great is now right here on the king's horse with the king's ro a crown with his robe on. Y'all can look at me and say how wonderful I am. I'm telling you what, you're talking about getting deflated. Now, 
He hates them. Remember, full of wrath, full of indignation. Words are important. Now he's looking at Mordecai going, I got to do that for Mordecai? Are you kidding me? Pride comes before destruction, the hardest book for a fall, sir. But you ain't even got it all yet. You're just starting the process. Then took Haman the royal, the, the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the streets of the city and proclaimed for him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hastened to his house, mourning, having his head covered. I'm, I can't believe this happened. He's mourning. His head's covered in mourning. He, he's upset. He goes, there's his wife again. There's his friends again. And he told them everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men, and Zerah's Zer, wife, if Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews before whom thou hast begun to fall, then shalt thou, shalt, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking unto him, came the king's chamberlain and hasted to Mordecai Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. And here he is, he's going home and trying and saying, oh, I can't believe this happened. And they're saying, look, he's a Jew. He's going to die, remember? It doesn't matter. He's going to die anyway. And while he's there, in talking to them, in walks one of the chamberlain and says, the king's ready for you and the queen's ready for you. Come. Now he knows things aren't going too good. So the king, see, and until Haman, he comes in to this feast. And we know what happens. He starts trying to plead his case when, he, when, the, when she says, and the king said to Esther the queen, the Jews have, uh, on the day, that, no, let me back up. And so then the Bible says that after they went to the city and so forth, and I, I turned the wrong page, all right. And after they went to, then the Esther, he was taken to the do it. And Esther the queen answered the king when he asked what she should do. And says, if I have fame forever in thy sight, O king, it please thee, let my life be given at me at, the, at my petition. Verse 3 of chapter number uh, 7. And my people at my request, for we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. But if we have been sold for bondsmen and bondswomen, I had helped my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said to Esther the queen, Who is he? And where is he? Who is he? Where is he that doth prepare, presumed in his heart to do so? Esther said, The wicked and enemy and enemy is this wicked Haman. And Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, rising from the banquet of wine and wrath, went to the palace garden. And Haman goes and says, oh, I got to do something here. Oh, no, 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 I got to do something. So he goes in and begs for his life to Esther, the queen. And when he, com he comes in, and, and the Bible said, and the king returned out of the, go to about verse 8, of the palace garden and the place of the banquet wine, and Haman was falling upon the bed wherein the king was. Then said the king, will he force the queen also before me in the house? Is he fixing to do something wicked to my, with, my, with my queen? And as the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face, the Bible said. And then they took him. And they told him, said, you know, he made a cubit. He, uh, Haman had a uh, uh, gallows made 50 foot high. And the Bible says, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, stands in the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him down. 
Pride comes for destruction, the Holy Spirit for fall. He's gone. I see the conquering of Esther, how Haman was destroyed, and how God behind the scenes worked it all out just so well and worked it all together. Had those two men that wanted to destroy the king. Mordecai tells them, then all of it works together. And here's a man who wants to destroy the man who saved the king's life. Not, doesn't make the king happy. They took him out and they hung him and he died. Esther and the Jews had victory. Now, don't you notice something? One person, Esther, made the difference. Had she not said, I'll do it. I'll take the challenge. She knew his command. Don't tell him who you are. The challenge, you got to go in. And in her commitment, if I perish, I perish, but I'll go. And then she has the conquering, the victory. That one lady, young lady, made all the difference. One young lady who didn't have a mama, who didn't have a daddy, and her first cousin had to take care of her. One young lady who obeyed what that first cousin told her to do. One young lady who didn't have riches until she became the queen, who didn't have money, who didn't have prestige, who didn't have power until she became the queen. She had no power. And even then, she didn't have the power. When she went in, and that's that king said, held out that golden scepter. One young woman helped save a whole nation from being destroyed because she listened to the command of Mordecai, her cousin, took the challenge if it, and made a commitment. If I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. And God gave her the victory. She made a difference. All through the Bible, there are people who made a difference. Esther first was obedient to the command. If you're going to make a difference, you must be obedient to the command in God's word. Esther was committed. If I perish, I perish. You must be committed if you're going to make a difference. She was courageous. She had courage to stand for God. And God gave the victory. But none of this victory didn't come until first she obeyed the command, kept the commitment, had the courage and the, to take the challenge, and after she fasted, not before. Esther made a difference. Sometimes you'll hear people, you'll hear someone say that they are only one, and they can't make a difference. But I gave you a list, and I could have given you more at the beginning. David, little widow, two little widows, a little maiden, all made a difference. All made a difference. You can make a difference where God has you. You're working in a children's church. You can make a difference. Well, I don't do any good anyway. You don't know that. You don't know that. A few months ago, I witnessed to, there's twin sisters. 
And one of them was saved already. And the other one said, you know, I'm really just not saved. And she got saved. And they said, Brother Moon, we used to ride your bus off of Rowan Street when we were little girls. And she said, every Sunday we'd get up and say, we couldn't wait to ride the bus. Can I tell you something? I did not know that. She said, our brother would ride with us. He's passed now. He'd gotten saved at Shawnee Baptist. He's in heaven now. And she said, we would get excited knowing that you were coming. We'd get ready. Our brother would get ready, and we'd all get ready. And we couldn't wait for you all to pick us up and bring us to church. All I saw was kids that was like, oh, Lord, help us. Get them to church and get them under somebody else so I can get away from them. And then bring them back and smile and say, well, I love you kids. And then, and then go home and go, whew, another day done. Uh, some of you bus workers know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Some of you children are working and say, yeah, we know what you're talking about too because we have to take care of them after you bring them in. <laughs> no, seriously. I didn't have a clue I was making a difference in their life. Didn't even have a clue. And they said, Brother Moon, we look so forward to you coming and picking us up. Bus workers, I know the days are long and you don't have any days off and Saturdays, you got to go make visits, and Sunday morning you get up, and you ride on a bus, and you bring them in, and you go home, and the time you get them home and get back, you barely get to uh, a bite of lunch, and then you're back for choir practice, and then church at five, and, and by Sunday night you're like, oh, boy, I'm glad the day's over. It was good, but I'm just glad it's over. I know. Been there, done that. Bought the shirt, T-shirt, and wore it out. And that Sunday school class, when you think nobody's listening, somebody's listening. Somebody is. You can make a difference. That helper in a class. All I do is help in class. I know. But you help keep kids quiet so that the other ones can hear the word of God and little boys and girls can bow their head and get saved and go to heaven one day. You don't think God's going to reward you for that, do you? I do. You're a greeter out here, and when people walk in the door, you say, welcome to church this morning. You're standing out there opening the door, and you're saying, welcome to church. Man, we're glad you're here. Some visitor comes and goes, wow, church I go to doesn't do that. Church I used to go to doesn't do that. Or they're another denomination. They go, our church doesn't do that. We've got to go in and do like this. You're in God's house. You're in God's house. He doesn't like any noise. You know what I used to think thunder was? I didn't really think this, but I kind of did. Maybe it's God up there moving his furniture around. He doesn't mind a little noise, all right? If he didn't mind noise, he wouldn't put thunder and lightning in, would he? Did, did he not say that the preacher was to raise his voice like a trumpet? They said, you guys are too loud. Tell God he's the one that said it. Like a trumpet, raise your voice. Hey, Brother Moon, you don't even need that PA system. I know, I know. Y'all can turn me down if I... Hey, Keith, are you asleep? Good night. That's a second time. All right, anyway. I probably don't need the PA. And I have had people said, you're too loud. Seriously. So I can't... Oh, a guy one time said, I can't bring anybody to church. You, when you preach, you're too, too loud. Sorry, I just... He was a lawyer. He said, you've told me about this, that, and another. And I said, you're right, and everything I said is the truth. 
But would you do me a favor after he called me about five, six, seven times? I said, would you do me a favor? He said, what's that? And I said, you keep lawyering and I'll do the preaching and we'll both be happy. He said, well, I ain't going to another church. I said, you can, but you know that's not God's will for your life. So why would you do that? You're a greeter. You work in the finances. You're serving in some ministry. You're going out knocking on doors and you say, well, when I knocked on 10 doors, 20 doors, and not one person even answered the stinking door. And the ones that did said, no, thank you. We don't need that. Yeah, but God saw you. And the neighbors saw you. Those people in that neighborhood saw you. And they go, man, those people just keep... I've had them say to me, man, I see y'all out here. Thank y'all for coming out and knocking the doors. Nobody does that anymore. I said, we do. See, one person. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You can make a difference in somebody's life. And you know there's people that need someone to make a difference. There's someone that needs somebody to make a difference. There was people who made a difference in my life. A guy named Charles Davis, my wife's uncle, took a long-haired, hippie-looking guy who'd just gotten saved and took him under his wing and took him soul winning and I had the long hair. Now I'd just like to have hair. No matter what that length it is, all right? I wouldn't care. I don't mind cutting it or letting it grow. Or just give me some hair. And, and he took, put me on his wing, and said, Ricky, come and go soul winning with me. And he taught me how to be a soul winner. And every person I've ever won to Christ or ever trained to be a soul winner, it started with Charles Davis. One man. Brother Josh, one man invested in me and made a difference in my life. Amen. That man loved me. That man sacrificed for me. That man put up with stuff for me. One man. And you tell me, I can't make a difference. How do you know? How do you know? God's keeping the final score. You must determine. Be determined and willing to be the person that will make a difference. I want to make a difference. You know, when Ezekiel, when he said, I sought for a man to stand among them and to, to make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. That's so sad. Couldn't he just find one? Just one? Man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge? Just one? Just one? But here's the answer. But I found none. I wonder if God came tonight and walked through this building and said, I need one, one teenager, teenagers, one that'll take a stand. One that'll take the, listen to the commands, take and make a commitment, take the challenge to stand for me and will be a conqueror one day and do great exploits for me. Just one. Will you be the one? Over this room, you teenagers, will you be the one? Young adults. Well, Brother Moon, I got a family to raise. I know. I raised one. I understand. People say to me, well, we would come out to the revival, but we, our kids have to go to school and we got to get them in bed early. I thought, Brother, we went out after church and got home at 10, 11 o'clock at night. I had one of my sons, we'd go out to Taco Bell and he'd go over and crawl up in the thing and go to sleep. 
He was so tired. And they didn't miss school the next day. Yeah, but they might get in trouble at school the next day. Well, that's what the discipline's for, right? They'll learn. Your kids are not going to be, your kids going to be okay. I trust me. They're more resilient than you are. You know who needs to go home and go to bed? Me. The old man. The guy gets up in the morning and goes, well, it's still working. Barely. Don't give me that. Don't even give me that. You can make a difference. Not in somebody else's life, but in your own kid's life. Because they're watching you. My kids know, my family knows, my whole family knows, when it's church time, we're not doing anything else. Y'all can do what you want to do. You're, you make your decision, but I'm, I got to answer to God for mine. You got to answer for yours. Because I want to make a difference. About two years ago, maybe three now, we had a young man that he was, I guess, was Joe 50 yet, Sheila? Joe Tar, when he died? About 50? Joe and his wife, Kim, grew up in, my youth, in our youth department in Roanoke, Indiana. I was a youth pastor from the time he was in the eighth grade till he graduated, and his wife's also from her eighth grade till she graduated. I was their youth pastor. Sheila and I were their youth leaders. And they had their hard times and their good times, but Joe followed the leadership of God in his life and went to college and graduated and went and served in a church in Kansas for just, I don't know, three or four years, and then went to Jacksonville, Arkansas, and became the youth pastor and eventually the principal and the youth pastor for a while at, in the church in Jacksonville, Arkansas. And then uh, his younger brother went off to college and came back, and his younger brother took over the youth, and he, took, he, uh, he became just the principal of school. And Joe got cancer. And when they got it, it was when he realized that it was stage four. And there was nothing much I could do, and so they weren't going to do much. So he tried the alternative route. Nothing worked. Went out to California, and maybe I don't even know if he went to Mexico or not, but tried anything. I talked to him on the phone a couple times, one time for about 35 minutes, 40, maybe an hour. I don't know. It was a long time. Joe died. They called and said, Joe's gone to heaven. Sheila, I said, let me know when the funeral is. We want to come. And she, I got permission to leave, and Sheila and I left and drove from Louisville area to, uh, to, um, to Jacksonville, Arkansas. Drove there one day and had the viewing that night. And when, that night we had the viewing. I think the next day was the funeral, and the next day was the funeral. And then we, after the funeral that afternoon, we, we went to a meal, and after that we tried to drive home. We got about halfway home, and you know, way in the morning, and I was like, I got to take a break, brother. But we did all that for one reason, because we love Joe and Kim. At Joe's funeral, they had people to come up, former students, teenagers, and begin to say how Joe made a difference in their life. And they said, Brother Tar is the reason why I'm in church. Brother Tar made an impact in my life, person after person after person. My heart was just Thrilled, but burdened that his wife was left alone with three children. Four, three or four, see. Three. One in college, one fixing to get married. And her daddy never got to walk her down the aisle. And another one that was still in high school. And so, 
They got him on the service. The pastor did a tremendous job of comfort and helping the family. We came around and they started out and came up the aisle and we greeted the family. Went by Joe for the last time. Turned to the family and greeted them. And Kim was standing there, his wife and his children. We hugged her children. I told them we loved them, praying for them. Sheila and I hugged Kim and she said, they called me Pastor Ricky when I was in Roanoke. That was my name. My name's Ricky, but then they called me Pastor Moon. They called me Pastor Ricky. She said, Pastor Ricky, you, Mrs. Moon, was our Joe Todd. You were our Joe Todd. And we cried a little bit. And I thought, all those times, it was worth it to make a difference. I couldn't have been given a better compliment. You couldn't have given me any money that would have made a difference. No matter what you'd have given me, it wouldn't have meant what that meant, Pastor, when she said you were our Joe Tar with tears running down her face. God wants you to be somebody's Joe Tar. God wants you to be somebody's Kim Tar. Brother Moon, I couldn't make a difference. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Say, but I'm old. Doesn't matter. I'm old too. The Jews had Esther to make a difference. The Israelites had David to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference in seeing people saved and baptized. I want to make a difference in seeing my class fed to the Word of God and see them grow spiritually and numerically. I want to, I want to, I want to make a difference in helping the hurting. I want to make a difference in lifting the fallen. I want to make a difference in encouraging the sick. I want to make a difference in loving the unlovely. I want to make a difference in an example to my children. I want to make a difference in an example to my grandchildren. It only takes one person who's willing and ready to make a difference. Here's the question. Will you be the one to make a difference? If you're going to live for yourself, it's not going to happen. You can't live for yourself and make a difference. You can't live in your sin and make a difference. You can't. You can't. And I'm not talking about you can make a difference, but not the right kind of difference. I'm talking about a righteous difference. Imagine if David had not fought Goliath. What if Esther had not gone in? What if the little maid had not told uh, uh, Naaman's wife about the man of God? What are you going to do? I think they got it queued up, Brother Keith, or somebody does up there. Is that right, Brother Josh? Where are you at? He's over here. Listen to this song. I think they got it queued up. Gentlemen, if you got it queued up, play that song. Listen to the words. Nobody cares It still matters what 
difference you can make. It's lost its way. It's lost it. Will you be the one? Will you answer his call? Will you stand when everyone around you falls? Will you? There's a darkened world that needs someone to be a light. Will you be the one? Here it is. I will be the one to answer to his call. I will stand when those around me fall. I will be the one to take his light to a darkened world. I'll be the one. Father, please. Please. The world's dying and going to hell and somebody needs to be the one. We need a lot of ones. There's somebody in here that may be hurting. They're broken. Their heart's broken. Maybe they've been wounded. I don't know. God, they need somebody to love them. And God, they need to surrender their will. And don't let pride keep him from doing it. Haman had the pride and it destroyed him. Please, Father, bless this invitation. Please give us victory tonight. Souls are in the balance. Lives are at stake. Families are at stake. Marriages are at stake. Please help us be the one. Father, you know my heart better than I do. I won't to be the one and help somebody. If it's only one, just somebody. I want to be that Joe Tart of Pitts' people. I do. Help me be the one. Our heads are bowed now. Would you stand to your feet if God's speaking to you? Would you please come? Find your place and join these others that's come. Maybe you need to come and make some decisions. Maybe you need to come and get right with God. No better time than now. Maybe you need to come 